Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 304 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Liz Coppola. Liz lives in Keene, New Hampshire, and she is an employee Benefits Consultant. Welcome, Liz. Thank you, Jen. I'm so happy to be here. Well, it's really nice to talk to you today. So you know I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Sure. So as many of your guests often answer, I have both a short answer and a long answer. I'll start off with my short answer. And that is in May of 2021. I think I was probably looking for a podcast or information on longevity, how to live a long, healthy life. And I came across intermittent fasting. And through that, I was introduced to either your intermittent fasting stories podcast, this one, or the one with Melanie that you used to do. So do you remember what podcast or what longevity podcast mentioned? I was actually looking last night because I knew you would ask me that and I couldn't find it. But anyway, I came across Fast Feast Repeat through that process and read the book in two days and started fasting on May 31st, 2021. Love it. May 31st, 2021. And I was really drawn to the health plan with the weight loss side effects. I didn't really need to lose weight necessarily, but I just loved all of the health benefits that you outlined in Fast Feast Repeat, autophagy, you know, reduction in inflammation. I was totally sold. So the longer answer is that I actually was introduced to the concept of intermittent fasting through 
Mark Sison, the primal blueprint, the paleo. I was a paleo devotee in 2014-ish is when I discovered it. And I really followed that pretty religiously for several years. But one of his tenants, in addition to you know eating real food, moving frequently at a slow pace, lifting heavy things, was to fast intermittently. And for me, that was really permission to not be so worried about always eating, you know, three meals, snacking. I was one of those people who thought, well, if I miss a meal, you know, my metabolism will shut down, my body will think it's starving, and, you know, I'll be counterproductive. So that in the back of my head was something that was kind of available to me. And, but I didn't clean fast. I didn't know what that meant. All it meant to me was if I miss a meal occasionally, it's not going to be the end of the world. A lot of people have that idea. They think, well, if I'm not eating solid food, I must be fasting, right? I didn't realize that Mark Sisson had talked about intermittent fasting. I didn't realize that. That's really cool. And he talks about bone broth and, you know, putting ghee in your coffee and things like that. So in terms of like my weight and diet history, I've really, as long as I, I remember when I passed the 100 mark in seventh grade, you know, and I have pretty much been in this range of like 115 to 135 for my entire life. And how tall are you? I'm five, four and three quarters. Okay, that three quarters matters. <laughs> so really, I mean, the heaviest I remember me being was nine months pregnant, 153 pounds. So I, I've really been in a, a very healthy weight range. And, but having said that, you know, I think my friends and family and people would look at me and say, well, you know, what do you need to worry about? And I didn't do it without mental anguish, you know? Or, I get, no, I get it. Exactly. You know, so I've never done Weight Watchers or shakes or diet drugs or anything like that. But I certainly, my entire adult life have been very aware of calorie values and how many calories I'm going to burn if I exercise and, and sort of that whole game of calories in, calories out. So you're just somebody who was always keeping your eye on it. You were always you know, keeping track of how much you ate and how much you burned, working on that math formula of calories in, calories out. And you managed to keep it within that range, that 115 to 135 range, which is a very healthy weight range for five, four and three quarters. Coming from someone who's five, five, that's a really healthy weight range. Like the smallest I remember ever being in my adult life was 118. I was very tiny at 118. It was it was not a good look for me just with my frame. You've got a little tiny frame, I can tell. You small bones. You say that like my shoulders are very wide. I've always been very self-conscious because of I mean people used to ask when I was a kid are you a swimmer with those shoulders and no, you know, I just have very broad shoulders. <laughs> Maybe you just you just have you have a lot of bones but sure. <laughs> But, you know, you have always just been in that healthy weight range. And so you also, did you feel like you had to do like excessive working out or just? I spent eight years working at the YMCA as a development director. And I was kind of in that world. I would, you know, go to the office in my workout clothes and take a class or two a day and, you know, just very into that. And I've always been active. I've always walked at a minimum for exercise, but I certainly had periods of my life where I was exercising frequently, you know, classes and weights and and all of that. But yeah, it's really just been the combination of kind of paying attention to what I eat and how much I move. But again, I've always had that, you know, food has always controlled the way I think about things. And that has been for me one of the most freeing things of intermittent fasting. I do not worry about food any I don't think about it. You know, my window is either closed or open. And when it's open, I enjoy what I eat. And when it's closed, I don't worry about it. I mentioned that I started fasting May 31st, 2021, and I'm a spreadsheet geek. I keep track of all the numbers. You know, so I was looking at my spreadsheet last night and I have averaged without really being intentional, but I have pretty much, my average fasting window is 18.3 hours and my average feasting window is 15 is I'm sorry 5.7 so basically I've been in 18.6 since I started on day one I did 21.4 I like jumped right into it and I you know had a couple of days of long fasting and then I kind of moved down to 16 and I'm all over the place 
The thing that I love about fasting is that you don't have to follow all these rules. I mentioned, you know, paleo. I did that for many years. I had a lot of success. And I remember telling myself, oh, I'll never go back to eating gluten, eating bread, you know, eating the things that you're not supposed to eat on a paleo diet. Because for me, it felt like a relatively easy way to, you know, lose that last five pounds I wanted to lose and and kind of maintain. But then I got to the point where I almost felt heartbreak for the fact that I wasn't going to be able to eat pizza again or bagels or, you know, a really good baguette or something. And I didn't like that part of it. I get it. I mean, you felt good while you did it, but it felt overly restrictive. That's like, you know, have you heard me talk about my whole food plant-based experiment that I did for 60 days? I felt amazing while I did it, but... I got on my own nerves when I was trying to order food at a restaurant and I'm like trying to find the dairy and does this have egg in it? I'm like, you know, and I already feel good. Like I feel good right this minute. I feel amazing, in fact. And maybe I felt a little bit more amazing, whole food plant-based, but not enough. No, it was not enough. I mean, my shoulder is fine. It wasn't the dairy. Now that I've you know, filtered my water, I feel better. But it's not impacting my life to be that restrictive is not something that I would want to do. So when you switched away from paleo and added things back in, did you have any gut adjustment period where you had trouble with things? I really didn't. I mean, I have been really fortunate and I've been reading a lot and listening a lot about gut. I remember in my early 20s having periods of being really bloated often. And I don't know, it was probably because I was drinking too much Diet Coke. You know, I remember lunch would be a Diet Coke and an apple or, you know, something just like talk about gas, you know, just kind of blowing up. But for the most part, you know, since I went paleo, when I was really doing strict paleo, I felt really good about sort of my gut and don't appear to have any allergies of food. So I've been pretty lucky. Did you eat a lot of fiber when you were doing paleo, like a lot of veggies? I did, yeah. So I know some people, when they do paleo, they're really heavy on the, you know, they eat a 10-ounce steak and maybe a piece of broccoli. I was kind of the other way, maybe four ounces of meat and lots of vegetables. So I kind of transitioned out of it. So I was what I would call very strict paleo for a year or so. And then I got into the paleo cooking with all of these alternate flours, nut-based flours, this and that. And one, it is super expensive. I was spending so much money on all these expensive ingredients. And I kind of got my kids into it. I have two girls. They were teenagers at the time. And they kind of give me a hard time now telling me, mom, you know, you created all these, you know, food issues with us, which I didn't, I wasn't even aware of. It wasn't intentional at the time. But looking back, I can see I was, you know, a little crazy about it. But Once I sort of got off the very basic eat real food, eat what our ancestors eat, and I started going into the, you know, making the banana bread with the almond flour and, and, you know, the organic honey and all of this, I think I sort of stopped losing weight, maybe even put on a few pounds. Again, I've always been in a range and haven't really obsessed with the weight size, but, you know, the honesty pants were getting tight or whatever. And then I kind of got to the point where I said, why am I doing this? I spend so much money on all this food and what's the point? That was exactly the moment that I had with Whole Food Plant Based when Will and I were having a meal out. And I was like, I'm going to just try this impossible burger. I mean, I, I know that's not health food. Everybody listening, I know that. I know it's full of junk. But I'm like, well, I'm not eating, you know, meat right now. I'm going to try this. There's very few things you can order at a restaurant if you're whole food plant-based. And I mean, obviously, impossible burger is not whole food. But, <laughs> but you know, I'm like, I'm just, I love a burger. I just had never had one, an impossible burger. And I'm like, I just want to see people who claim it's just like real meat. I just want to see. I'm not, you know. Well, when I ate it, it made me feel sick. And I was like, I should have just had a beef burger. This was not better for me. I would have felt better. I'm like, this was not better for me. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this crazy experiment. And I will never order anything impossible, quote. (laughs) I'm sorry, it is not possible. You're like, remember, I can't believe it's not butter. I never believed it was butter. (laughs) 
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. The Impossible Burger is not possible either. So anyway, but that's so true when we start putting in these, I don't know, Franken-food, not that almond flour is Franken-food, but you know what I mean. When you start putting in the substitutes, it's not as good as the, the real thing. Yeah, and it's getting away from, I think, the original intent of just eating foods that are real, which is, you know, how I try to eat most of the time. They didn't want you to eat paleo bars or... <laughs> So I'm glad that you didn't have any trouble reintroducing things. I just the reason I asked about that is because I know of a couple people who were very very strict paleo for a long period of time and then weren't able to add things back because like really their gut couldn't manage it, but your gut was fine. And I kind of did it slowly. And I think so. My older daughter and I were in France the first week of March of 2020. So oh no, you know, time travel. Were you like worried you couldn't get home? We were. We were scheduled to fly home on a Friday and woke up on the Wednesday of that week. I woke up in the middle of the night to you know go to the bathroom or something. And my phone was just on fire with messages from friends. We just heard, you know, President Trump say that he's shutting down the border. You need to get home. So we fast-tracked and got home the next day instead of two days later. Because that was when, like, everything was so scary in Italy, right? Like, it was like, I remember being terrified. It would look like something out of a movie was going to happen, right? Right. And leading up to the departure, we, you know, debated whether or not we were going to go, but ended up going. Anyway, during that trip, I ate a baguette or a croissant every day. And we also did a ton of walking, but I wasn't bothered at all by that. And some people have said... When you eat bread in Europe, it's different than much of what we have because the gluten content is different, whatever. But it was kind of after that. And then, of course, we came home. And now both of our kids are home with us because everything's shut down and, you know, colleges are closed and all that stuff. And so we kind of got into the COVID baking, COVID drinking, you know, everything that everybody was doing, sort of comfort foods and Again, maybe I put on a couple of pounds, but in addition to the eating and drinking, I was also doing a lot of walking, you know, because I'd go out for hours. But I think it was probably after you know, the kids were home for an extended period of time. And then I don't think it was a coincidence that in May of 2021, that's when I was sort of searching for, it's like, okay, we survived. it's been a year. I had been vaccinated at that point, you know, kind of getting back to life and really thinking about how I want to be continue to be healthy and live a long life. So at that point, would you say that your honesty pants were tight? Because you've always, like, I'm guessing, tell me if I'm right, that you pretty much have like a wardrobe of clothes. And as you would very 
gently yo-yo. You weren't like me. You know, I would yo-yo from size six to size 16. (laughs) I had all, but you did not do that. You probably just had like maybe one kind of. I'm pretty much two, four or six. And I've been that way forever. You're one of those people that has to get new clothes because they're not in style anymore. Right. The old ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm starting to get to that point because the clothes that I have now, I bought, you know, whenever. Almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Yes. And so like my jeans, for example, I bought them at the loft. I have three pairs of jeans that fit me, two size zero and one size two. Then I have another pair that I actually ripped when I was trying to catch Lucy, our cat, who's crazy when we were moving here from Augusta. I like dove to get her and ripped the knee. Of course, I guess that's in style, having ripped jeans now. But but I love these jeans and I don't think I could find new jeans that I like as much. That's the hard part. <laughs> and the thing about jeans, they seem to cycle in and out. I mean, it's like the flare legs are back again or the what, you know, and skinny's gone. And I like skinny. I don't care. I guess it's skinny, the new mom jean. I don't know. Just hold on to all of them. Have your different bins of jeans and different styles because they'll all be back. I do have the pair of jeans I wore in maybe 2003 when I in my diet pills days. And they were from The Gap. They were size six. I felt so slim. And I went to a party in June. It was like a 70s camp party. And I pulled out those jeans. They were flare, boot cut, and they worked perfectly for that, that party. So. <laughs> but that's it. So you just had gotten your, your clothes just a little tight. Do you remember what you weighed at that time in 21? I don't remember. I did. I was looking at, you know, because I wrote everything down. When I started intermittent fasting, I was at 125. A month later, I recorded it at 122. And I don't have a scale that works. So I honestly don't know what I am. But I would guess, I honestly don't know. That's like me. I just guessed too. <laughs> When they ask me at the doctor's office, I'm like, I guess it's, let's just write down 125. I don't know. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's close enough. So you start, you were feeling that little pandemic, pandemic pudge, let's just call it. Pandemic pudge, right. And, uh, you know, came across it. And it just, I mean, your book, an absolute lifesaver. And I've given your book to many people. I don't, try to preach at all. And I will, if people ask, I will tell them about it. And I really try to focus on the non-weight loss benefits because I think that is a really good thing to focus on. And I made my list of all the non-scale victories that I've had. But so right before I started this, I had plantar fasciitis. See, I usually think of plantar fasciitis as associated with like, because you're someone's heavier. So you were not. You were slim and still had plantar fasciitis. That's so interesting. And I didn't even know what it was because it was just so, I mean, out of the blue, I bought, you know, an orthopedic insert and this and that. But once I started fasting, I would say within a couple of weeks, it was gone. So now I wonder what causes plantar fasciitis. I was really honestly thought it was what connected to weight. I mean, I think inflammation is a cause of almost everything. And the no inflammation, you know, I'm 54 years old. I'm 54 today is actually my oh, birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> there are two people in the community that are having a birthday today. So it is a good day to have a birthday. It is. But, you know, I was starting to get the, you know, sort of the creaks when I got out of bed, you know, whatever. Yeah, joint issues. And I don't have any of that. I mean, my body feels like the body I had when I was, you know, 20 or 30. I mean, I just... I love it. As I said to you at the beginning of the podcast, I have not been sick in three years, really. I did get COVID for one day. It lasted one day and it was last June. I was, you know, fully vaccinated and boosted and, you know, whatever. And of course, Murphy's Law, I got sick four days ago and I have a little bit of a cold and congestion, but but I really haven't been sick at all. And I attribute it to intermittent fasting. I have super soft elbows and heels. <laughs> I hear that all the time. And then every time I do, I feel mine. And I remember how they used to be all rough and have bumps, like weird, that felt almost like warty. They weren't. I don't know. but And especially, I mean, I live in the Northeast. It's March, but it's still cold here. And normally this time of year, I would have like white, dry elbows. They are so soft. And I have to say, my husband the other day said, your entire body, your skin is so soft. And of course, I said to him, it's intermittent fasting. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but the 
another kind of amazing thing I used to have, it's called Melia, like little white dots. I mean, I remember them the first time I had a facial. I was in my early 20s living in San Francisco. And I remember the esthetician saying, oh, you know, these are a pain. I can kind of poke it out and clean it out, but it'll come back. And sure enough, they always did. And a couple of months after I started fasting, I was in my magnified mirror and I was just doing this and they rolled off and they have not come back. (laughs) So autophagy. Whatever it is, but the grossest thing I had, I don't know if I've ever talked about this in the podcast. I must have. I must have. Have you ever heard of tonsil stones? Like tonsil stones. Like in your throat. Yeah. Like, yes. (laughs) Like what you were talking about. Okay, with having the whatever it is, the clogged up under your eyes, the whatever you call that, I can't remember that like Melia. the white. Okay. But I had from the time I was like a teenager until intermittent fasting, I had the worst tonsil stones. And it's disgusting. Like I always had really big tonsils. You could look at them in the mirror, but they would have like gunk in there. It was almost like tonsil boogers. I mean, I'm sorry, that's gross. But they smelled really bad and I would like fish them out. I mean, that's just so, it's like the most disgusting thing in the world, but they would be huge and gross. I do not have them anymore. I don't know what was causing them or why, but I don't, I don't have them. Well, I think just that process and Jason Fung, who, you know, I read after (laughs) you've talked about him, but That whole concept of cleaning out the freezer, you know, you don't do it when you're constantly reaching in the fridge. And whether it's the fat that's stored in the freezer or the gunk, you know, the skin tabs, the milia, you know, all that stuff. Uh, Tonsil stones, I absolutely swear by it because I think it is so cleansing on so many levels. So Yeah, our body has time to take out the junk, just wherever the junk might be. And we all see it in different places. Wherever that junk is building up, for me, it always gathered in my tonsils, whatever that's about. But it's just amazing that that doesn't happen, you know, and the same with my skin too. I have had great skin. I had just recently, I've had some skin issues after starting hormone replacement therapy. The testosterone made me break out like crazy. And then my, my OBGYN, Tabitha was like, I just listened to that podcast yesterday. Uh, she's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but she tested my levels after three months and my testosterone was like crazy high, like really high. <laughs> she's like, your body is really uptaking that. Stop doing that. <laughs> stop, stop, stop with the testosterone and the breaking out stopped as well. But I realized with the breakouts from the hormones that I didn't even have like a concealer really. Like I hadn't been using concealer because I didn't have the breakouts. I didn't need to conceal them. And so I'm like, huh, because before intermittent fasting, I carried concealer in my purse. Yeah. I mean, I have no makeup on. Yeah. Your skin is beautiful. Thank you. I owe it to you, Jen. Well, to intermittent fasting. Look, I didn't invent it. I didn't make it up. I know you brought it to all of us, which is, you know, something that people ask when I've had conversations like, oh, it's just another fad. I mean, one, it is not another fad. But two, the reason not everyone is doing it is because nobody is going to profit from all of us doing it. Meaning, you know, if there's no profit, there's no corporation who's going to grab onto it and there's no marketing campaign to make it happen. So it's just word of mouth. It's you and others talking about it and seeing the results and feeling it. And that is absolutely true. That brings me to a point that if you're listening to, I don't know, a podcast, mine, somebody's, anybody's, anybody's podcast, and they're trying to sell you products that you need for fasting, you don't need anything for fasting. You don't need energy bits or ketone drinks or special fasting tea. You don't need this. First of all, they're going to break your fast. Unless it's plain water, black coffee, plain plain tea, it's going to interfere with your fast. But you know that is how people are trying to monetize fasting by convincing you that you need all these fasting supplements or fasting aids or fasting things. No, fasting is free. And every single day in the community, Every day someone comes in, and I love the community. I'm not criticizing anybody in the community because they are, what's the word I'm looking for, consuming a lot of information. They're gung-ho on to fasting. They love it, so they're listening to everything. Well, they'll listen to somebody's podcast. Now they're trying to sell them something, and they're claiming it doesn't break a fast. And I'm like, the person who claims that wants you to buy it. Look at their motive. I don't remember if it was you or someone else I was listening to. They said, if... Having a little bit of cream in your coffee doesn't break a fast. Am I allowed to have cream in my coffee before I have my lab work done? And the answer is no. <laughs> you know, so of course it breaks a fast. 
When does it cross the line? That's the thing. I mean, you know. (laughs) But I think the ironic part about that is having cream in your coffee or having a little bit of, you know, whatever you want to do is going to make your fast more difficult. And I was one of those people who, you know, probably jokingly said, I would give up one of my children before I got rid of the cream in my coffee. You know, I mean, I was such a you know, I never did sugar in coffee, but I always did cream and I couldn't imagine living without it. I have a girlfriend who a couple of years ago did the keto 30 or something and whole she whole 30. Look whole 30. She looked, you know, fabulous and she was going on and on and she said, Well, you have to have black coffee. And I'm like, oh, forget it. I'll never do it. It is just cream is too important to me. So for anybody listening who thinks I could never clean fast because I have to have my cream in my coffee, you don't. It is so easy once you do it. And if you try to sneak with cream, it makes the fasting so much more difficult. Anybody who doesn't believe that, you just have to try it without the cream. Give yourself a few weeks and you will never go back. Never go back. Last night, I went to trivia with some friends and we lost spectacularly, by the way. Never bet at all. (laughs) (laughs) But somebody at the table had coffee after we'd eaten and we're still playing trivia and I was like, ooh, I'm going to have some coffee. And it came and it had all the little, you know, and my window was open. I'd already eaten dinner and it had all the little half and half and the stuff. And I'm like, for a minute, thought about having a hot milkshake, you know, doctoring it up, making it like coffee, ice cream, a lot of sugar, a lot of creamer. But I was like, nah, I just drank it black. (laughs) And my window was open. I had a, a funny thing happen. This was during the pandemic. I don't know. It was probably September. Like things had reopened, but all these protocols in place. And I'd gone to a coffee shop to get a coffee to go. And it used to be a place where I'd go in and add my own cream and all that. They gave me my coffee. You know, I went on my way. I drank it. I was almost done. And I took the cap off and saw that it was black. This was before I started fasting. <laughs> and I'm like, I just drank black coffee. How is that? I don't drink black coffee, but it was really good coffee. And it just, for me, that was a reminder or, you know, a realization that the cream in the coffee for me was probably very mental. I was just so used to it. I didn't even realize I was drinking black coffee because it was good coffee. They tasted good. (laughs) Somebody just a couple weeks ago, it was either on the podcast or in the community. And I can't remember. And I'm so sorry. I apologize to whoever it was that I can't remember where I heard this or saw it. They said that same thing that you just said, that if you're struggling with black coffee, put it in a container where you can't see it. Yes, I heard it on one of your podcasts. Yes, it was. I think they must have (laughs) said it on the podcast and somebody in the community must have mentioned it because my brain is full of details. I can't remember who said what or whatever. Did I say that? I don't even know. But anyway, that is a great, great tip. But that just reminded me of it. But if you can't see it, your brain won't even possibly notice. And if it's not good coffee, don't drink it. Find some good coffee. There's plenty of good coffee out there. (laughs) This coffee at the restaurant was not that great, but luckily I'm not that worried anymore. Chad had some of it, and he was like, this tastes like dirty water. I'm like, well, then stop drinking it. It's my coffee. Anyway, but I didn't care. I'm, you know, I'm not as as worried about it. But at home, I have really good coffee every single day, and it does matter. So now you're drinking the black coffee, no problem. Exactly. And when I first started, I think I drank a lot of coffee because... I'm like, oh, I can drink coffee, but now, I mean, I have a cup or two and I've discovered your MT, your hot water, <laughs> and that has been life-changing. I mean, how simple is that? Because, and I actually, when I get up in the morning, that's what I have first thing in the morning is a cup of hot water because I discovered what I really love is, you know, holding on to that warm mug, kind of just taking the sip. I don't need caffeine as soon as I wake up in the morning. So, you know, that has just been such another great thing that you've introduced to me. I love that thought too, because I think something that people are getting from their creamy coffee is that comfort. It's the soothing and the comfort. And it sounds so dumb until you try it. Hot water in a mug. That sounds sad. But yeah, it's I know. Not. And when I tell people and they say, oh, don't you put lemon? Or I'm like, no, nothing, just hot water. And it is good. You know, I know. <laughs> 
It is not sad at all. No, it is not. Not at all. <laughs> well, I love it. And I didn't drink as much of it this winter just because I no longer have it on tap like I used to. We had the big water jug. I had one in my bathroom and one in the garage right outside of the kitchen. And it kept it like you could get hot water at any time. So I'll just get the, put the mug over there. And then my other house, we had like an insincorator that you get hot water on demand from the sink. Now I have to like heat it up. So I was like too lazy all winter to do it. <laughs> but sometimes I did. When I really, really needed it. But now the warm weather's coming and it's back to the not as important. So I want to circle back to something you said before. And because I think that this is something as parents, especially a mom to girls, right? You've got two girls and you mentioned before that, you know, your daughters were picking up on some of your dietary restriction. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, in my defense, I wasn't a mom where they saw up and down and, you know, oh, I don't eat. And it was really once I discovered that paleo really worked well for me. And I kind of had this feeling that, oh, I wish I had known this when I was, you know, 14 and 16 or whatever. So I I didn't necessarily push it on them, but I did. That's the way I cooked. I mean, we have family meals have always been very important to me. You know, I mean, my kids still joke about the cauliflower rice and the spaghetti squash pasta and, you know, all this stuff that I was making. So that's just the way we ate. But they didn't challenge me on it while I was doing it. It really wasn't until, yeah, it was about a year ago where they're like, because I was talking about intermittent fasting and, you know, mom, you're creating all these insecurities and, you know, this inappropriate relationship with food and So I just kind of drop it because this feels so different to me. Fasting feels so different than any of the other food craziness that many of us have engaged in or, you know, that I think in our, you know, privileged American society, many women feel that pressure. And I never want them to feel that, you know, their weight determines their worth by any means. And they don't. I mean, they are amazing, strong, healthy women, neither one of them have a weight issue at all. But it made me sort of recognize the importance of, like, I wish I could have done things differently when they were teenagers, because I didn't realize that it affected them. But now, I mean, they're 22 and 24, and we're able to have you know, those conversations and they're good. So so they're similar ages to mine. Cal will be, by the time this episode comes out, he will be 25. <laughs> we are finally going to visit them in San Francisco too. You said you lived in San Francisco for a while. Yeah, that's where my husband and I met actually. Oh, that's really nice. Did you grow up out there? I grew up in New Hampshire and after college, I went to San Francisco and my husband's from Connecticut. He went to San Francisco. We met there and then moved back east. Well, we've been trying to get there. I mean, wanting to get there ever since, but that Cal and Kate moved out there in 2019, in the fall of 2019. And of course, we were going to go right after New Year's, but plane tickets were crazy expensive for whatever reason. I'm like, we'll just come in the spring. Well, then it was 2020, and you know what happened. And San Francisco was very locked down, and then it just went on and on. And so (laughs) finally, I bought the plane tickets this morning, and the hotel is booked, and I'm so excited. San Francisco is a beautiful town with the food, so much good food. We're going to go to Napa. I'm really excited. But it's, you know, it's so nice to not have to feel restricted and not being able to eat or like a better diet for this trip to San Francisco. No more of that. That's another thing that one thing I love about fasting is just getting away from that. You know, when I was following whatever plan, whether it was paleo, I also did South Beach for a little bit a few years before, but, or even if I was just quote, trying to eat healthier within a, you know, certain calorie window, I would have these moments where, oh, well, I've already had 10 M&Ms. So what the heck, I may as well eat the whole bag or, you know, I've already blown it. I'll just continue. And the thing I love about fasting is that every day is a new day. Every day you start your fast, it is a new window. (laughs) And no matter what you did the day before, you don't have that kind of baggage of, oh, I've already sabotaged myself. I may as well wait until next week to start up again. It's like, no, whatever you just did, close your window and open it 18 hours from now or 16 hours or 20 hours or 12 or whatever works for you. But just the whole concept of delay, don't deny, I think is just so powerful and 
could help so many people you know, if they did it. I think so too. And the whole idea that you don't have to never have chocolate cake again, for example, like, you know, what diet is chocolate cake? It's not on paleo. It's not on keto. It's not on Whole30. Your intermittent fasting course is not a diet. It's not you know, what you eat, it's when you eat. But, you know, last night we were at this, the trivia, I had a really good burger, nothing impossible about this one. It was good beef. I had an egg on top, lettuce and tomato and onion. I decided to have some fries. This place, their fries don't make my stomach hurt. I had an artichoke, like a whole artichoke dipped in butter. And then we had a little, it was somebody's birthday, passed around the piece of chocolate cake and I had some cake. No stress. No, oh, I shouldn't have this. It was just so easy. Just eat it, enjoy it, and that's it. I had a uh, a funny sort of as we were getting out of COVID and getting together with friends and such, we had a Friday and a Saturday night in a row where we were with two different groups of friends, and we happened to have pizza both nights because it was something that we could, you know, eat. We were eating it outside, or you know, I don't know what we were doing. But I said to my husband, I'm like, huh, I just realized I ate pizza two nights in a row. And it didn't affect me because, you know, that I opened my window. Now, I didn't, one thing I haven't talked about is sort of how I open my window. So I'm pretty much a late afternoon person. I typically open it anytime between like two and five, essentially. Have you opened yet today? I did only because I told you I was sick. The last three days, I have not eaten anything. And and so this morning I woke up and I'm like, ooh, I have some lentil soup in the freezer. That just sounded so good to me. So I took it out of the freezer. I ate it an hour before you and I got on. Well, the reason I asked, because I'm still fasted. It's 4.41. We ate whatever time we had the cake last night is when I closed my window. Closed my window with cake. And it's been you know, since maybe 7 p.m. and now it's almost 5. And so I'm not like having a terrible day because yesterday I had a little cake. I'm feeling great. I've been so off because I haven't felt well that yesterday I actually opened my window at 1245, closed it essentially at 315. So when I had my soup at three o'clock, it was almost 24 hours. Anyway, so I try to open it with something that is just really nutritious, whether it's, you know, cottage cheese and carrot sticks or cantaloupe, or if I have some soup, I, I love lentil soup. I load it with vegetables and I always have that in the freezer. So, you know, or I'll do a banana and peanut butter or some, something just to kind of like load me with nutrients. A nice hearty snack. A nice like, hearty, yeah. right. And, you know, then I'm making dinner and whatever. But so the example of the pizza, it's like I had probably eaten something, you know, really healthy before we went to our friends' houses. I brought a salad both nights. So I knew I was going to get that big salad. But then I ate pizza both nights. And it's just, it sounds so dorky to, you know, like to love that. But as someone who for years did not eat crust, pizza crust, and I love pizza. You know, I didn't do it because- It wasn't paleo. Right, exactly. I was making cauliflower. I mean, I uh, my kids will tell you about the cauliflower pizza I made. Okay, I'm sorry, children. <laughs> Liz's kids, I apologize on your behalf. <laughs> the one time, the time that I never have had cauliflower again, really, well, that's not true. I have actually had it. I had some a cauliflower taco during my whole food plant-based experiment at the chimichanga llama throat, and it was absolutely delicious. I did enjoy that. But the one time that I was doing low-carb and I was trying to fool my family and I made those mashed cauliflower, they were like, what is that terrible smell? I mean, no one would eat it. No one. Although I added a lot of Parmesan cheese and butter to my <laughs> smashed potatoes, I think I called them. <laughs> I added all of that, and it was just gross. Nobody was fooled at the at the Stevens household. <laughs> but so you were you're used to having your cauliflower crust, but you had regular pizza. Like to have pizza two nights in a row and just have it be like not a big deal. Something like that has never been a big deal to my husband, you know, but for many women, that is a big deal to eat pizza two nights in a row, you know. So, well, you feel like you're being bad, like you were bad. It's bad food. I never use those words. I mean, I don't say things like, oh, I, you know, I need to go for a hike so I can burn off these calories. I just, it's like that language is gone and I just love it. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. 
like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. So you're modeling all that for your girls now. They're seeing the freedom. And, you know, they don't need intermittent fasting right now. But maybe one day, maybe one day they'll be like, hey, mom, tell me more about it. You know, my pants are tight or something. And I think the thing about fasting that is, you know, most people could very easily do 12 hours, right? And what that means is don't have a snack after you eat dinner, you know? And that's a healthy thing. If you just called it no snacking after dinner, you know, people would fast for 12 hours and, you know, maybe have their breakfast at eight. But for whatever reason, people react strongly to fasting because the yeah. word, it's almost like I wish we had a different word, but it's too late now. We can't make a new word, <laughs> but it is what it is. But I remember actually when I was talking to my literary agent for the first time and, you know, it was, we were talking about the book Delayed on Deny and the whole idea of an intermittent fasting book. And she said, I think she didn't like the word fasting. And she's like, do you think that you could use? And I'm like, nope, it's called intermittent fasting. We can't. And she's like, okay, I got it. But even she was like sensitive to the terminology. (laughs) It is what it is. So how do you like to move your body these days? I know you used to be more of a exercise for weight loss girl, but now you just love to move your body. I walk every day. I run when I feel like it. I hike. I bike occasionally. I do need to start lifting weights again. And I keep telling myself I've got to get back into that. I have a pull-up bar in my closet and I do, you know, chin-ups periodically. Oh, can you do them? I've never been able to do a chin-up. Ah. You know, and I'll do push-ups intermittently and I have weights. I need to get back into a strength training routine because I do know how important it is. You know, I'm 54. I'm post-menopausal. I, I went through all of that even before I you know, started intermittent fasting. I was solidly in menopause, I I think when I was 51. That's the average age. That's when I went through it. We're average. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, and I'm actually, you know, different topic, different conversation, but I'm really intrigued by what you've been talking about, hormone replacement therapy, because I'm recognizing that I, I need that. I mean, when you start feeling things that you never felt before and you're like, that's never going to happen to me. And then all of a sudden it's happening. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I know people might be sick of hearing about it, especially the men. I don't know. But men, you're going to have women in your life going through menopause. So you need to know it too. You need to understand too when your wife is like, ouch, <laughs> there's a reason. <laughs> you know, I think men and women need to understand it. Because like I said, everyone... We'll know someone going through it. And I think it's thing, you know, people are talking about it more, but I feel like even when I first started perimenopause, it was, I mean, I was asking everyone and no one had information. I'm like, and it's true. No one was talking about it. And so I'm glad that we're talking about it more now. But you talked about a minute ago, it's very important, maintaining our muscle mass. And as we age, it's important. Our hormones make a big difference with that. Like that is one thing that hormone replacement therapy plus intermittent fasting can really do for us. We need those female hormones for more than just back when we used to have periods and babies. It helps us to maintain our muscle mass and all the things that keep you youthful. Those hormones were helping with it. So yeah, I've started, I've, like I walked on the beach for two miles today. I have a, I can go north a mile and or south a mile and back. I know where my little milestones are, but there's just nothing better than walking on the beach. But I have my two mile routine. And I've also started doing Pilates at home. I've never done them at home. But again, same reason, strength and core strength, you know, for walking is good for your legs. It's good 
in many, many ways. But, you know, with the Pilates, you're doing with your arms a little bit more. And and I have noticed sort of, you know, related to this, the body recomposition and all of that, that even though I am not nearly the exercise fiend that I used to be, for my age and all of that, my body is in good shape. I mean, even like my bicep definition and and all of that for not really working out. And again, it's because of the intermittent fasting body recomposition and just, you know, shedding the fat essentially. I really do think it helps us maintain the muscle mass more than if we were not doing it or if we were doing like a typical low calorie diet. Definitely, definitely better than that. So, you know, I haven't wasted away yet with my muscles. <laughs> But I do want to I'll be proactive. Can I say one more thing that's super important to me and is somewhat related, but the issue that keeps me up at night is climate change and just sort of where, you know, our planet is going. And, you know, again, I recognize that I am saying this in a position of privilege or whatever, but I think one of the things that we really have to do to address climate change is to reduce our consumption overall. You know, yeah, we can have renewable energy, we can be more efficient with our cars, our electricity, all these, and all of those are important and we need to do it. We need to eat grass-fed meat and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I think just overall, the collective impact of people reducing how frequently they eat, when they eat, you know, all the dishes that are associated with eating, all the shopping that's, I mean, I think collectively that could have an impact on our consumption and collectively we could start to move the needle on, you know, just solving the crisis and saving. (laughs) Big food wants us to buy all the junk all the time. Exactly. So we've got, you know, some powerful forces against us, but just a thought. Well, I agree. And consumption just in general, you know, we're, we're turning into a disposable society. And that is, you know, like when I want to buy furniture, I like to buy vintage furniture. That's where we go and look first because it's going to be better quality. You know, it's going to be solid and Why get something new when you can get something that is going to be even better? (laughs) So is there anything that you struggle with? Amazingly, not really. I think when I look back at when I've had longer, like when I've opened my windows earlier, it's because the kids have been home on the weekends or whatever, and we're having brunch together. I do find, generally speaking, if I open my window earlier, then it typically means I have a long eating window. I'm not, once I open, you know, I'm eating until dinner's over. That's me. Some people are, I'm not good at closing. I mean, occasionally I can, but only if I'm by myself. I mean, if, you know, I'm traveling or something and no one's depending on me to have dinner with them, then I could eat breakfast and lunch and be done. But I'm very social in the sense that, you know, that time with my family or friends or whatever. And so if I open it in the window, I'm eating all day. My preference is to wait until the end of the day to open my window, but I will be flexible because I don't want to alienate, you know, relationships or anything like that. So, but that, I mean, honestly, that is really it. I think you struggled before intermittent fasting. You were struggling before because you had to spend, I mean, you know, because your story is not like so many that we hear someone who's always been overweight or always had to diet or yo-yoing, all of that. You were in that two, four, six range. That's a great range to be in. But you spent so much mental energy clinging to that, that now you're like, there, there, where's the struggle? The struggle, you have lost the struggle. That's the best part. You mentioned that you do, you do tell people about intermittent fasting and you, you share with them when it comes up. I mean, I do only when they ask and I will probably tell, uh, it'll be interesting to see if anyone hears this. And actually, a couple of months ago, somebody, I'm not active on Facebook at all. I'm on Facebook, but I really have not posted or done anything in over a year. But I did see something. I'll occasionally look at other people's. I just don't post. And somebody did say, you know, does anyone know anything about intermittent fasting? And I commented, you know, I do. Please feel free to reach out to me if you're curious. And she didn't. So maybe she decided not to, but, you know, so an example like that, I would have no problem. I'm not proselytizing, you know, I'm not out there preaching. You know, you don't have a a dramatic weight loss that people can just see by looking at you. So they don't even know that, they just know you might look more refreshed. Maybe you had a facelift, Liz. Right. I know. (laughs) They don't know what you did. These are all my original parts, everything, (laughs) you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much me too. <laughs> but yeah, that's funny. But yeah, I get it. So they don't look at you and say, what is different? They just, you know, they might think you look refreshed or you had a good night's sleep or something. So, you know, and I, I do think that what you mentioned very early, you know, that you came to this with the idea of longevity. That's what keeps me going. You know, I did a little questionnaire for some, for a journalist today. She's, you know, those magazines they have at the checkout counter. It might be like keto or paleo, but this one's going to be about intermittent fasting. And she reached out, you know, asked me some questions about intermittent fasting. And she's like, well, you've been doing it for about almost 10 years now. Do you think you'll ever stop? That was one of the questions. And I'm like, why would I? Yeah, I'll probably stop. I mean, no. No, this is just what I do. Are you going to stop sleeping at night? I mean, to me, it's just one of those healthy things. You brush your teeth, you move your body, you do intermittent fasting, you put in some vegetables. I mean, it's just, I would never stop because it's part of a healthy lifestyle. It doesn't even make sense to think about stopping. So y'all eat everything now at at your house, all the foods. We do. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. My husband, who is super healthy, always been thin. I mean, sounds a lot like your husband in terms of body. He got gout this summer, which was like, what? Where did that come from? And so he has cut back on dairy and red meat. And our older daughter, who's moving to New York City next week, has been with us for a while and she doesn't eat a lot of meat. So we kind of don't eat a lot of meat. But other than that, we don't have any rules. I mean, we're just sort of, we eat what we like. Lots of veggies though. And potato chips. I love potato chips. (laughs) Uh, You know, I like those crunchy, salty things. I just can't help it. I always will. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would say be curious, be open-minded, and just start off by telling yourself you can do it. It is one of my favorite things I've heard you say is hunger is not an emergency. And I think we've been trained to think it is. And it, it is not. We can go a long time without food. And it actually does your body good to give it a rest. So, and then, you know, read your book, read Fast Feast Repeat. I like to lay, don't deny, but I think Fast Feast Repeat is just so comprehensive and explains it all. And then clean fast from the start. Don't try to cheat or tell yourself you don't need to. And then one of my tricks for kind of that midday of, am I hungry? I don't know if I'm hungry. You know, go for a walk, you know, tell yourself you're going to work on this work project for 40 minutes. And then if you're still hungry, eat, just call a friend, do whatever you need to do to, if your intent was to fast for a period of time and you haven't hit that point yet, then, you know, just support yourself and try to make it. But if you're hungry, then eat and don't beat yourself up for eating. Just eat and eat lots of nutritious food and then close your window and start again the next day. Keep it simple. Just enjoy it. As I always say, tweak it till it's easy. If it's not easy, you hadn't found your tweak yet. I mean, all I can say is I'm the HIM, no health issues. I've never felt freer from food and just everything. Mental clarity, we haven't even talked about that, or these bursts of energy that I get. I mean, my family calls me the Energizer Bunny, but it's it's true. I mean, I just, it's awesome. And it doesn't cost you anything to do it. And don't buy anything. <laughs> Look, the only stuff I'm trying to sell you are like food. If I have a commercial for it, I definitely use it. But it's nothing you need for fasting. It's just... <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Liz. It has been great to talk to you today. Thank you, Jen. I really appreciate the opportunity. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. 
Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 65th National Finals of Distinguished Young Women. Every year, one girl from every state leaves her family, her whole life behind, for two weeks and spends each day training, practicing, preparing. Because to win this competition, she needs to wow a panel of judges with her academic record, her athletic ability, her speaking skills, and a show-stopping talent. I met her and I was like, she's gonna win. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. When I sing that song about being a black woman in America, there's gonna be backlash about that. Oh, I'm just so happy. So happy. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. And then we stayed with them for the next year, unpacking just what happened those two weeks in Mobile. I'm Shimoliai, and from Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.